The Evolve Network is now live at evolvenetwork.tv. Subscribe for meal plans, recipes, cooking shows, and our very own The Magic Pill and The Magic Plant, as well as access to my favourite documentaries. The Evolve Network is also home to our full library of podcasts, with new release podcasts airing first and in full on the channel. You can also watch selected vodcasts in a video format. Meanwhile, enjoy this highlight of our podcast and head over to evolvenetwork.tv for the full Evolve podcast experience. The Evolve with Pete Evans podcast is a conversation about my favorite ingredients for a healthy human experience. We take an informed look at topics that include nutritional and emotional well-being as well as expanded consciousness. I love exploring the topics that are not traditionally taught at school and take a deep dive into them with my special guests. I invite you to sit back and come along for the ride with an open mind and heart and please share with your family and friends as these podcasts may just be the seed from which many things will flourish from. Cheers. We've been using Waters Co. water filters for the last 10 years and I wholeheartedly trust my family's health with them. Waters Co., established 1977, have personal and domestic water filters, which turns your ordinary tap water into great tasting, alkaline, ionized mineral water, which removes up to 99.9% of fluoride, heavy metals, chemicals, and bacteria, so you can love your tap water again. The Bio 1000 is the latest edition of the BMP 1000 model and the culmination of over 40 years of experience and research into water filtration by some of the world's leading scientists. Waters Co. was first to market with natural gravity-fed systems, creating alkaline water way back in 1984, and have continued to lead the market in research and development, setting the benchmark for all other brands to follow. Please go to my webpage, PeteEvans.com, to learn more and to receive your special discount from my link on the products page. You're going to love it. Judy, thank you so much for joining us. How are you, sister? I'm good. Thanks for having me again. Happy New Year. <laughs> Happy New Year to you too. And um, we're joined by Shakoba. She's, uh, she's having a little growl here. Do you want us to come and say hello? There you go. Oh, he's so cute. She's, she's the, uh, the biggest, littlest, or well, the littlest, biggest guard dog in the world. <laughs> she's protecting us at the moment. But uh, let's talk about your new book and how you came to write it because it's, I mean, when I came out and started talking about the paleo diet about a decade ago, I was, I won't say crucified, but I was attacked by the <laughs> Dietitians Association, uh, the mainstream media, friends and family, and I thought it was crazy. And fast forward another five, six, seven years, and people are starting to talk about carnivore. Right. As like, whoa, how far you thought what I was talking about was extreme. And I don't want to use the word extreme, but I right. want people to be able to wrap their head around what does carnivore mean? How does it work? Why does it work? And why are we seeing such amazing results these days? And how did you get introduced to it? it might be a really good starting point. Thanks, Judy. Yeah. So, you know, my name is Judy Cho and I mean, I'm a nutritional therapy practitioner. So I was plant-based for 12 years. Um, and I sometimes had fish, but primarily it was just plants and I got really sick. So one, I struggled with an eating disorder. I had no idea. So, you know, the, I grew up in Los Angeles and then I went to Berkeley. So all of that is very super plant-based uh, plant friendly. And so I thought I was doing the right thing for my body. And 
the more and more I was eating plant-based, yes, I got thinner. Um, I guess outwardly I looked healthier, but I was struggling with an eating disorder. So all the nutrient deficiencies that I had no idea of, um, it, it kind of, you know, culminated into an eating disorder. And so behind closed doors, I'd start binging or doing other kind of ways to, I guess, maybe the way that my body was trying to get some fat. Um, and so I did that for about 12 years. And uh, when I had my first son and I was nursing and I was still trying to, you know, do all the things that I do for work. And um, I got mastitis and then I had to take antibiotics and then I got really sick and I was hospitalized you know long story short basically um, I had my second kid and I didn't want to go through that again and so you know I went through the eating disorder facility I've learned a lot but there was always a gap with the nutrition so in those eating disorder facilities they're like if you don't want to eat meat totally fine you can totally be vegan plant-based we um, totally accept that but if you were to say hey I'm low carb they're like nope you have to have sugar, it is, or you have to have bread or carbohydrates. There is no food that's not um, off the table, except if you choose to not eat meat. Um, and so I was even in those eating disorder facilities, eating plant-based and they completely accepted it, but it was a lot of junk. So like microwave pizzas, um, my challenge food was cupcakes. And the more you can eat these kind of triggering foods, the more you're healed from your eating disorder. And, you know, eventually I found keto and then carnivore and I noticed that when I was doing um, keto, I would be fine for a while until the kind of sweetener foods would get me then triggered to eat sugary foods. And then on really stressful days, I'd kind of fall into my old habits. And so I saw people in the social media space eating meat only. And I was like, maybe there's something to this. And so that's when I broke my plant-based kind of streak. Um, and it took a while to just wrap my head around not being plant-based anymore, but can I just you know, give you I a, knew... can I just uh, give you a, a yeah. little, a little pat on the back, <laughs> a little applause because to break the plant-based ideology or religion yeah. can be really, I mean, as you know, as you've understood, can be one of the most challenging things somebody goes through. It's nearly like deciding not to be if they were brought up in a Catholic household to then become an atheist Absolutely. or something else, another religious belief system. It's, it's, I don't think a lot of people understand how difficult that, that, that shift that you did could be or is for, and, and I went through it myself and I don't mean to interrupt, but I was a, a raw vegan for four years in my right. late teens into early twenties and I shouted it from the rooftops, you know, you're all yeah. fucking killers and, you know, you, you're hurting right, the planet right. until I discovered that it, I was actually hurting myself. Absolutely. And, and to shift out of that paradigm of belief that I invested so much of my time and energy and love and passion and, and also telling other people about it. It was a, <laughs> it was a very, very big pill to swallow and it didn't go down well, that's for sure. But yeah, I mean, in the book, I talk about this, you know, this term ahimsa, where basically it's do no harm to animals and self love and all that, um, you know, to do just good and spread love. And I argue that if you are following a plant based diet, and you're missing nutri nutrients, which there are many nutrients that are deficient in a plant based diet, then you may be practicing love to animals, which you think, which in the book, again, I argue about, you know, the tillage and all of that and destroying animals and the crops. But 
if you eat a plant-based diet and it's causing you harm or your family harm, then how is that practicing ahimsa, right? And also uh, regenerative farming, it's actually benefits the environment, right? And it supports animals the way they're intended to live. So it's just a lot of propaganda. And I really believe that it's because Hollywood is so behind the plant-based and they're so good at making these really heart-wrenching movies. I watched all of them. I never started plant-based because of an ethical reason. I started it for health. I thought, hey, if I do a lemon detox master cleanse diet, I'm gonna do a reset in my body. And then I fell into it. And then I watched all the, the movies and the, the gut-wrenching things. And then I realized my health was declining and never once did I think that maybe it's the diet. And the whole time I was plant-based, I got so many applauds like, oh, you're eating so healthy. You're, you're living your best life. And it was so false. Um, I really had to basically get sick and be in the emergency room on New Year's Eve when my son was born. So six months after, right, you fear, you're, as a parent, your biggest fear is um, failing as a parent. And that happened to me. Um, the worst fear, right? And it's knowing that I couldn't spend New Year's Eve with my son because I got sick from a plant-based diet and my eating disorder. And when I got out of it, again, my son was taken from me so that I can get therapy. And it was m a month of me not being with my son. And then I had to even um, formula feed after that because I was on medications that do not allow you to breastfeed. And so all of these things happened and I started thinking why, right? Why they never diagnosed me. They just said I had postpartum depression, but why, why did I have postpartum? And that's when, you know, I fell into keto and then carnivore. And while I was on maternity leave, I started um, really digging into nutrition. Um, keto was starting to get really popular. And so as I learned more and more, I realized how, how many lies were told in mainstream media in terms of, you know, saturated fat is bad for you. Red meat causes heart disease. It's it's not true. The data is not there. Um, that the fact that uh, the animals are causing um, our environment to and our climate to you know change. Um, you know, the one maybe benefit of um, this virus that's going on is that you know when we were all on lockdown, the animals were not, and the environment got so much better. Right, the climate was so clean. So it's it's and I, and I actually break down based off the Environmental Protection Agency's numbers on uh, greenhouse gas emissions, that it's not true. Maybe 2% of the US um, greenhouse gas emissions is from an agriculture. But within that agriculture, they, from the cows, they clump rice, right? So who's going to think of farming and then, or the animals and then think, oh, that includes rice, right? It's just very skewed and I talk in detail about every single kind of misinformation we've been hearing. Um, I try to just focus on the science in the book and just the nutritional facts since I'm, you know, nutrition based, so. I, I, I can tell that you like facts. I can, yeah. I can hear it in, in, in well, your I mean, voice. So, you know, I'm sure you've experienced it, but I mean, I get attacked from every angle, right? So whether it's the plant-based vegans, like how can you share this information that's um, killing the animals? You're a murderer. Or I get it from um, the people that are big fans of carbohydrates. Like you need carbs for thyroid or hormone health. Um, I also get it from... Uh, the um, just uh, just the standard care you know believers of how can you tell people to be eating more salt 
more uh, red meat. Uh, you, you're, you're giving the worst advice for somebody to have longevity. So I get it from all ends. And so the only way you can argue with someone is with facts, right? So it's okay. So let's break down ribeye. Let's break down what's happening with excess glucose in the body. Let's break down the climate. Let's break down organic plant foods and all the these different components I've included in the book to just explain why a meat-based diet is actually maybe beneficial, especially in the beginning. If you have a lot of illness, if you suffer from autoimmune, if you're having gastrointestinal issues, why not start with a diet that has the, the most bioavailable nutrient-dense foods? And then if you want to incorporate more plants, maybe we eat the more kind of less anti-nutrient plants, the plants that are kind of healthier for our bodies to absorb. Stop speaking such sense. <laughs> so I'm sure everybody that's watching or listening would love to know what happened to you when you adopted the carnivore cure or the carnivore approach to you? T tell me about physically, emotionally, mentally, yeah. and perhaps even spiritually. Sure. So um, from the physical side, there wasn't a huge difference. And in all honesty, I gained maybe five pounds. So, and I think it's a lot of it's muscle, um, muscle weight actually, but I was not eating enough protein. So, I mean, I was eating quinoa, but I mean, again, there's a bunch of anti-nutrients. So how much of the iron or, you know, the other minerals are you really absorbing? Um, but in terms of the mental, that's where my healing has tremendously come from, um, come from. So when I went into the eating disorder facility, they told me that I've kind of suffered from uh, mild depression my whole life. And so they said, yeah, I mean, what's so wrong with you taking antidepressants for the rest of your life? If you've, you know, if someone is sick and they have to take medication, there's nothing wrong with that. And so I felt like I was kind of doomed. I was just born with this, you know, lot in life where I have depression and I struggle with anxiety. And so I started taking antidepressants. Um, for them to kind of balance me in the hospital, they put me on antipsychotics. And that was the reason why I had to stop nursing. And so as I was eating a meat-based diet, I got off them and I haven't been on them. I don't have any bouts of depression. I used to wake up on some days, it was just hard to even get out of bed. Um, I you know, would make sh short-term goals at night of like, here are all the things I'm gonna do the next day. And sometimes even just walking to the mailbox was excruciatingly difficult. And now I never get that, right? My problem is I just can't stop working or being with the kids or doing things because <laughs> I'm always in a ketogenic state, right? Burning fat for fuel. So, so, the, so the side effects of the carnivore diet for you or lifestyle for you is excess energy yes. and in, increased creative, <laughs> creative expression. Yes, and also um, mood balancing. So, you know, I, I focused on gut health because I think the root cause of a lot of illness is from um, gut damage. We eat a lot of plant foods that just wreak havoc on our gut. And so as we heal our gut, a lot of times our mood gets better, right? Our, a lot of our hormones, our hormones are made from either quality fats or quality proteins. So if you're not eating a lot of this, and that's what our dietary guidelines are, is to not eat the saturated fats. Well, saturated fats um, is needed, for example, for cholesterol, and our brain is 60% cholesterol, right? So m the 25% of our total cholesterol is in our brain. And so when we are telling our kids that have growing brains where up to the age of five, their brain is almost um, at 90% um, full term, 
if you think about it, when we're not feeding them fat, what is going to happen to a brain that is 60% fat? Right. So for me, when I started incorporating a lot of saturated fats, um, a lot of animal fats, uh, butter, my mental health has done a quick, uh, complete shift. And in terms of gut health, so most of your neurotransmitters are created in the gut. So as an example, and I know the argument will be that, well, the neurotransmitters in your gut are not the ones that go through your blood brain barrier. That's a fat, but they all work together, right? Where they're all chemical uh, messengers where they all kind of work together. And so 90% of your serotonin is in your gut. So if your gut is damaged or not functioning properly, Serotonin is what balances mood that helps melatonin help you with sleep and even dopamine, a lot of it's created in the gut. And so you have to wonder when we're eating plant-based diets or diets of, it doesn't even have to be plant-based. I mean, processed food is primarily plant-based too, but all of those foods are slowly poking holes in your gut. And then you have to wonder, you know, why, why are we struggling as a, as a world with more mental health than ever. Um, why are we struggling with gut issues with diabetes is like prevalent everywhere, right? Um, one thing I talk about in the book is that our blood sugar, the average, um, the average amount of blood sugar you have in your blood at any given time, the sugar levels is four grams. And so for someone that's normally um, 80 milligrams per deciliter, I don't know what exactly that is in Australian numbers, <laughs> sorry, but, um, yeah, so the normal blood range numbers that you know you can get from any doctor, that is about a little less than a teaspoon of sugar in your blood. And so for someone that's diabetic, which is forty points higher, it's one in a it's a one and a quarter teaspoon. So the difference between someone that's not diabetic and diabetic is just a quarter teaspoon of sugar in your blood. So if that's four grams of blood um, sugar in your blood at any given time, think about when you drink Coca Cola, right? Twelve ounces has almost forty grams of sugar. So if you think about when you're always consuming like 100 grams of sugar per meal, then you can imagine what's happening to your blood glucose. Your insulin is, you know, getting exhausted. And so you're, then your adrenals have to pump out cortisol, which is supposed to just be used in an emergency state. And so then when cortisol is constantly helping, well, there goes your hormones, right? Your adrenals are part of the endocrine system, which is your hormones and your hormones, which normally would be producing your thyroid hormones or your sex hormones are now just focusing on balancing the blood sugar. And so you got to wonder why, why are we eating so much sugar when our blood sugar only has four grams on average um, in the blood, right? And it's okay to have it a little bit, but I think we're having it in excess. Um, in the book, I have a chart where the amount of sugar we eat from just a hundred years ago, it's so significantly different. And it's again, why, why are we eating this when we can get use fat as fuel, right? So these are some of the discussions. Um, I, I don't know if that answered your question, but. Yeah, no, I, it definitely <laughs> does. And we had the good fortune two weeks ago to kill our first oh, cattle okay. that we raised on, on, our farm with our neighbors and it was a it was a eye-opening experience for me to be there we had a mobile butcher come to the oh, to wow. the property and we had eight eight of the cattle that we had as a partnership basically between us and the neighbor and i was there with him and his wife and their three boys that were under the age of six i think and it was seven in the morning the sun was coming up and it was just right. beautiful and and the cows were eating the hay and the butcher came out with his rifle and chose the the cow that we were about to 
um, put down. And it was one shot, the cow fell over, another shot into the back of its brain, and then sliced its neck, blood came out. The other seven cattle were startled by the noise. Mm -hmm. They left for 10, 20 metres for about five minutes, and then they came sure. back and started eating the grass around their dead, the, the other dead cattle. There was no fear. Right. There was no, there was no, from what I could tell, any pain. There was no suffering. And it was such a, a beautiful, th I had tears and there were tears of sadness, even though there was an element of sure. sadness in there about taking a life, but there were tears of joy that for the next six months or a year, we're going to share this one life right. for their family, which is five people in their family and, and ours as well. And we did the same thing with two pigs that we raised last, last year. And our freezer is full of pig and cow. And every day we pull out another portion of it. We defrost it for the next day. And last night we made the most beautiful curry. Right. The night before we, we smoked some, uh, a pig leg. Or no, actually the day before we made, I, I slow cooked uh, a pig leg and made pork riette. I hadn't made it since college, which was 30 years ago. And it was, my wife and I were so excited. We put it on, we, we ate it. We're like, this is amazing. All that's in there is pork leg and salt. This, and it tastes so freaking yeah. good. And we knew what we fed the pig. We know what the cow had only eaten grass. Yeah. We know that there was no pain for any of these or suffering for any of these animals that we've co-raised. And every day where we pull out another piece of this meat that we've raised, we have gratitude, we have thanks, we have, we're not, it's, it's like we're not contributing to We're being as self-sustainable as possible. Right. And we live in a very uncertain time yes. at the moment. And I even posted last night onto my social media because the last 12 months or 10 months have been quite bizarre. And, and I said to people, be prepared. And they said, what do you mean? I'm like, be prepared. What are the, what are the ultimate things that we need to be prepared for if shit goes right. bad? Water, food, perhaps shelter. They're, they're the fundamentals of life Yes, you know, for us. How do we prepare that? And, I've, and even when I used to do um, stage shows six, seven years ago, talking about the paleo way, the first thing I would say is buy yourself a chest freezer, yeah. fill it with meat, fill it with meat and seafood so that you've always got food on hand so that it doesn't tempt you to go out and buy something to fill you up. You just have to be, think about it, cook in bulk, freeze, freeze it down. And you'll always have food on hand. It's so simple. Yeah, I mean, it's such a simple thing. And, and I'll, I'll just finish this off. Yesterday, we I pulled out the, um, the leaf fat from the pig, which is the, the fat that is around the kidneys of the pig. And it's this be beautiful white fat. And we rendered it down for about three or four hours. And then we strained it off into six jars and then we've got we've got fat to cook with now for the next two or three months yeah again we don't have to purchase it it's there and it's so healthy and it's so clean it's so beautiful and I took it to my friends on New Year's Eve or my wife and I went to our friends who's Chinese and we bought them the pig fat <laughs> and and he, he got it and he's smelling he's like it, it's so good because this brings back memories of right. childhood I'm like 
take it. It's yours, you know? Yeah, no. And that's the power of, you know, I, in the book, I recommend how, you know, one of the arguments I always get is, well, grass fit is so expensive. I can't afford it. Well, I talk and actually break down the math of um, if you were to buy it from a local farmer and you were to, you know, be part of um, a cow share, right? Or, a, and if you buy. I really hope you enjoyed the first half of this podcast. If you'd like to listen to the rest, please visit evolvenetwork.tv. That's evolvenetwork.tv. We'll see you there. The information, views and opinions expressed in this podcast should not be treated as a substitute for nutritional, medical or other advice by a qualified professional. Guests in this podcast express their own opinions, experiences and conclusions. Nothing in this podcast should be used to diagnose, treat, cure or prevent any medical condition. Neither Pete Evans nor any sponsor endorse any views, opinions or conclusions expressed or shared in this podcast.